0: Welcome to Healing Begins. My name is Pastor Gail, and I am glad you're listening. Today's program is brought to you by Family Tree Medical of Hastings. You know, Dr. Troy Carlson, my partner, is amazing. He believes in treating the whole person, physical, spiritual, and emotional, spirit, soul, and body. But today, we're not talking about that. Today, I want to talk about the question you always were afraid to ask the preacher. So in other words, sometimes there's a question you wanna ask, but you're afraid of how someone might look at you or how they might feel about you later. And so today I wanna talk about a very common question, a very common question that is often asked. And the question is simply this, what does it mean to be saved? You know, in today's world, Uh, You have all kinds of opinions. You have all kinds of people who think that all roads lead to Rome. It doesn't matter what avenue you take. You're going to get to heaven eventually. It doesn't matter if you're whatever. I'm not going to go into naming all the religions. The Lord knows there's so many you can't even count them all. But you might say, well, why are you a Christian? And Well, I want to share that with you too because I think that's important. When I got to a certain age, I had always been raised up like in the Wesleyan church. But when I got to a certain age, I asked myself a very valuable question. Why do I believe what I believe? Do I believe it because my mom and dad taught me? Or do I believe it because it is really mine? And so today I am a Christian. I love the Lord. I'm saved. I know him. And I believe that he is the only way to heaven. You know, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. Jesus was the spotless lamb that took away the sins of the world. You see, in the Old Testament, when they did sacrifices once a year for the sins of the people, they had to find a spotless lamb well, n- no animal is truly perfect, but they had to get one as perfect as they could, and then they would sacrifice it for the sins of the people. But when Jesus came, he was God in the flesh. You know, John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it said, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So Jesus was god who came in the flesh who li- left the glories of heaven lived a sinless life showed us who he was and even jesus himself said if you destroy this temple in three days i will rebuild it he said that in john 2:19. jesus answered them destroy this temple and i will raise it again in three days now then They thought he was talking about the physical temple, but he was talking about his body. So the reason that I'm not a Muslim or a Hindu or whatever is because when I began to look at all the different religions of the world, I came to one startling conclusion. Jesus claimed to be God and he fulfilled all the messianic prophecies written in the Old Testament. And on top of that, he said, I'm going to prove I'm God by rising from the dead or raising from the dead on the third day, and he did that. If there was no resurrection, I wouldn't be a Christian. But because he rose from the dead, Jesus is the only, out of all of them, whether it's Muhammad, Buddha, or any of them, Jesus is the only one who is still alive. He is not dead. He is not buried. He is not in the tomb. He was God who came in the flesh. So if you want to know why I serve him, that is why. Revelation one hundred eighteen says, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus was God in the flesh, the spotless lamb, who took away the sins of the world. And then when he hung on the cross for us and he died there for our sins and he suffered for us, he said in Matthew 6, 15, if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly father cannot forgive yours either. So that's why I serve the Lord and that's why I walk and try to walk in a life of forgiveness with others. But Jesus came and he's not, he wasn't just the savior of America. He was the savior of the world. And so no matter where you're at today, we're going to talk about what it means to know the Lord and walk with him and what does it truly mean to be saved. So we learn uh, that being religious is not enough and you can't get to heaven by good works. You're not saved by good works or how many times you attend church or how much money you gave to the church. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it is through grace, through faith that you have been saved not of works, lest any man should boast. So you can't get to heaven by being a good person because you can never live good enough. See, Jesus died for everyone, and he made it possible that you and I could get to heaven as a free gift. So when we know the Lord, yes, we want to do good works, but we can't get there by being religious or doing good deeds. Although, if you truly know the Lord, you're going to want to do good deeds and good works. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, I love this portion of scripture. There was a man named Nicodemus. Now, he was a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he was really fascinated by Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. Now, let me read the scripture for you. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And you know what he was saying to the Lord here, look, we know you're from God. We've been seeing your signs. We've been watching the wonders and the miracles. So we know you're from God. Verse 3. Jesus replied, Verily, verily, I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. So Nicodemus is really puzzled here. What do you mean born again, Lord? Then verse 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So Jesus was basically telling Nicodemus, look, you're born in water. When When you're born, you're born in water. And then when you're born again, you're born again of the Spirit. And what he was saying to Nicodemus is, look, being religious is not enough. But you must have a spiritual transformation in your heart. You must be born again. And then I'm uh, taking to the verse in Romans 3.23. The other thing we've got to recognize is that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no one who is perfect. Even when you come to know the Lord, you're not perfect. When people look at Christians many times, they're like, look at all the mistakes they made. Yeah, that's true. But the difference is they're redeemed and they're trying to walk with the Lord. And if they truly know the Lord, their life should be changing and they should be coming more like Christ in the way they act and in the way they treat other people. The next thing is this, is found in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Spiritual death, physical death, and eternal death. So spiritual death, meaning, you remember when Adam and Eve was in the garden and God told them, the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Well, Adam and Eve ate of that tree, but they didn't die physically. They died spiritually that day and we're separated from God. So that's spiritual death. So we, when we don't know the Lord, we're dead spiritually. Then there's physical death. We, we're going to die physically someday. Then there's eternal death. If you don't know the Lord, eternal death in hell. And then, But the gift of God, which I like, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When does eternal life start? The minute you accept Christ into your heart. And then you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you ask Jesus into your heart, he comes to live on the inside by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like in the room. If you were to turn the light switch off, there would be no light. But the moment you turn the light switch on, electricity goes into the wires and makes the light bulb light up. It's like that when we accept Christ. It's like he turns the switch on And the Holy Spirit is like the electricity in our life that empowers us to do the work of the ministry. Then Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God, so your sins may be wiped out, so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Well, what does it mean to repent? Well, simply it means to turn from your sin and turn to God because the very things that we do and the sins that we commit are blocking the healing, refreshing presence of the Lord from coming into our lives. So what does repentance look like? You just go, Lord, I just ask that you would forgive me of my sins. And, And when he brings to your mind the things that you need forgiveness for, you confess them to Jesus. You ask him to forgive you. And according to 1 John 1, 9, the word of God says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And just because you accept the Lord doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that life is always going to be easy because it's not. But the promise is that Christ will be with us. Then in Romans 10, 9, it says, If you will declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no maybe there. You will be saved. You say, why are you quoting all these scriptures? Well, for a simple reason. I'm quoting these scriptures because I want to give you something that you can go back to and say, I did that. I know I'm saved. I know I know the Lord. Now I need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then Revelation three twenty, Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. So the Lord is always standing on the outside of our door knocking, but it's up to us to let him in. You can't get saved because your mom and dad were. You can't get into heaven on their coattails. Uh, Accepting Christ is your own personal decision. You don't have to go to church to accept Christ. You can accept Christ right in your car, or in your bedroom, or walking down the road, or listening to this program, going to churches about growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and having fellowship. I love John one twelve, it says, "But to as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name." So. It's not enough just to believe that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the Messiah. But you personally must make a decision to say, Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. Come into my heart and be my Savior. It's got to be your personal decision. So I'd like to pray with you right now. Why don't you pray with me? It's your choice. Don't feel like you have to. But you might say, well, you don't know what I've done and you don't know the things I've done. It doesn't matter because the blood of Jesus is more than able to wash every stain of sin away. Then you might say, well, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. Well, I know you haven't because if you're listening to this program and you've listened to the whole thing, I know you haven't because that means the Holy Spirit is drawing you to him. And if you had committed that sin, you'd have no interest. So if you want to accept Jesus with me tonight, just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me and rose from the grave. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to say, your journey has just begun. You know, there's that old song, I beg your pardon, he never promised you a rose garden. Instead of the sunshine, there's going to be a little rain sometime. We all know that old song. Well, it's like that with walking with Jesus. Christianity's not for crybabies. There's going to be hard times. and But that's why we need to talk about the next steps. What are the next steps? First of all, you're going to make mistakes. And if you found out that, if you realize that you've fallen back into sin, that doesn't mean you lose your salvation because first John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that was written to the church, not unbelievers. And then 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, We have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous, who maketh intercessions on behalf of the saints. So it's so great. It's so great that we have an advocate because, you know, the enemy wants to destroy us, but God wants us to be with him in heaven. And you know what? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to struggle. You're going to have hard times. But don't let that stop you from walking with the Lord. I want to say this too. If you start going to church, I guarantee you someone will offend you. Church can't be about other people. It's got to be about you and God, what you can learn and how you can grow. And you've got to know church is made up of un. Perfect people, people that are not perfect. So you're going to get in church and you're going to think, wow, boy, there's a lot of imperfect people there. You better believe it. You know why I don't go to a perfect church? Because I'd screw it up if I went there. So I realized that believers are not perfect. We're redeemed. We're just trying to walk with God and help people on the road to heaven. Then I believe one of the next steps is to realize we have to keep walking in the light. 1 John 1, 7. I love this. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And so that purifies us from all sin is actually a continual cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Because as you walk in the light, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall down. The Bible says, though a righteous man fall seven times, he will rise again. And so when you fall down, realize God is not condemning you. God is not saying, stay down. God is wanting you to get up, keep on walking, keep coming to the Lord. Remember when your kids were young and one of them was trying to toddle around to walk and they fell down? You didn't get mad at them. You helped them get back up. You brushed their knees off and you said, keep coming. You can do it. Keep coming. And that's how God is with us. And many times, you know, when you come to know the Lord, I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, I need to clean myself up more before I come to God. That's really the wrong attitude. The Lord says, come to me and let me help you clean yourself up. And, you know, and if you struggle with addictions, there's so many people that are privately struggling with addictions that are out to today. If you are struggling with an addiction I know that you're going to struggle, you're going to fall, there's going to be many bumps on the road to your recovery. You know, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but also will with the temptation provide a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. So, A lot of addictions, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, sexual addictions, whatever the addiction is, there are a number of components to that addiction that makes it hard to walk a life of victory, but you can walk that life. One of the components would be a mental component where you're dealing with your thought life, where your thought life goes off the rails and you go off the rail. You know, I have a podcast channel, Healing Begins podcast channel, and you should listen to the podcast called Winning Mind Battles. It's so important that you're able to win those mind battles. So you have the mental component and you have the spiritual component, meaning when you fall down, realize that God is not condemning you, but he's inviting you to get up, to keep coming toward him and not to stop. And then you have the physical components. Many of the addictions today has a physical component where your body physically wants the drugs, wants that addiction, and craves it. And so part of the spiritual component should be you should find a Celebrate Recovery or a support group or a small group, a part of a bigger church, wherever you're listening to me at, and become a part of that and and let someone come alongside you and help you. But then there's another aspect that I encourage people to do. There are churches that are just so full of the Holy Spirit and on fire for God, they will allow you to come up on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night and receive the laying on of hands and prayer. Or you can go to the altar and say, God, I need help with this addiction. I need you to take this addiction away. I need you to break the power of this craving in the name of Jesus and, and really began to seek him, but then also began to battle the forces of darkness that are behind the addiction too. You know, the Greek word for drugs is sorcery or is which we get the word sorcery from. So it's about binding the spirits that are coming against you and battling you in the name, in the power of, in the blood of Jesus. And then it's about getting to know your Bible renewing your mind. If you're not familiar with your Bible, start in the book of John and begin to read the Bible. Read the New Testament. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John three, four times. Get to know the ministry of Jesus. And and if you're discouraged, you can go to the book of Psalms and pick out a psalm and read a psalm that would help you for that day. So find a home church, get to know your Bible, and realize this, your faith will be challenged. There will be people who will come and say, oh, that isn't real. You're being brainwashed and they'll talk against it. And no, your faith will be challenged. But you know what? When you accept Christ into your heart, the one thing that he will give you is a peace that passes all understanding. You know, in Philippians chapter four tells us what to think about. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And that's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. So if you have accepted Christ tonight, I want to say congratulations. I want to say you're just beginning and I want to leave you with this thought. Whatever you do, never, never, never give up. Paul said, I press toward the mark, toward the high calling of Jesus Christ, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press toward the mark. I just want to say congratulations. And I'm so glad you're listening in the early hours of the morning or if you caught this at night. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the program. I'd love to hear from you. My email is gale, G-A-L-E, at spiritualcareconsultants.com. Remember, even if you didn't accept Christ, I want you to know this. God loves you, he's with you, and he cares for you.